Well, welcome. It is good to see you today. I want to uh, welcome those of you who may be uh, joining us at one of our uh, sites where we've gathered today, or, or maybe you're joining us online. Uh, we are just always grateful every single time that we get to do this together. We are one week from Easter, which is kind of crazy to say, um, but absolutely exciting to look forward to. I just want to go straight to the point and encourage you to invite someone to join you next week, all right? It's a time of the year that, that a lot of times people are open to that. Um, maybe when they wouldn't be otherwise, you take into account the last several years where folks kind of out of uh, the mix in a sense. I, I just want to encourage you to be bold and invite somebody to join you next week. At every location, we're going to uh, celebrate breakfast, which is always good to celebrate. We're going to celebrate egg hunt, right, because that, that's going to be fun. But the whole purpose is to celebrate the greatest event in all of history. And uh, it's going to be a great day together. We are going to introduce a new teaching series next Sunday. And it touches an area of life that I believe almost everybody I know wants to be better, but they don't always know how to make it better. So next week, we're going to intro that. Today, my job is to intro the intro. Somebody's got to do that, all right? And so that's my task today. If you will join me in Philippians chapter 2, all right? So if you got your Bible or your phone, whatever it is that you follow along, I, I want to encourage you to find Philippians chapter 2. That means that it took us just a little bit more than three months, but we made it through chapter 1 of the book of Philippians, all right? So we're, we're going to make our way all the way through this little book this year. Um, we are just one chapter in. So I, I'm going to pick it up, Philippians chapter 2. Let's just start with verse 1. You're going to immediately see the word therefore. Therefore. And anytime you know that you see a therefore in Scripture... It means that it's connected to what went before it, all right? Something's been said, therefore. We'll, we'll make that connection here in just a minute. Let's just read through it first. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion... Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Now, when we start hearing the word one show up in Philippians, our mind immediately goes back to what we've been studying in chapter 1 because Paul has been using this word one a lot. Um, I, I'm not going to read all of chapter 1. I'm just going to give you one verse from chapter 1 because I want you to see the connection. Verse 27. Here's what Philippians chapter 1 verse 27, how it reads. Whatever happens, 
conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. All right? Live in a way that points to how valuable the good news of Jesus is. Then whether I come and see you, Paul says, or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, there's his word, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel. What is a life worthy of the gospel? What we learned in chapter one, it means fearless unity, a fearless oneness. And really throughout chapter one, Paul's been hitting this aspect over and over again of oneness, of unity. We turn to chapter two and just the second verse in, we just read it, he's already using the word one again. He's already talking unity again. The same spirit, one mind. But sandwiched in between the unity of chapter one and the unity of chapter two, there is something special. Don't you love it when somebody shows up with gifts? Don't you? You love it when somebody shows up with gifts. Well, that is kind of like what verse 1 is of chapter 2. Let me show you what I mean. Go back to verse 1, Philippians chapter 2. Here's how it reads, therefore, if... Now, this is one of those ifs in the Bible that you can actually read as since. Therefore, since. Because what we're about to read is not some, hmm, I wonder if it's the case. What we're about to read is definite. And so, therefore, since, if you will, you have any, here's our first gift, encouragement from being united with Christ. What a beautiful word. Paul's like, hey, anybody recognize that there is something beautiful that if you are actually one with Christ, if you are united in him, right? He, he has forgiven your sin. He has brought you into his family. He lives in you. You are in him. Do you realize on a daily basis how much encouragement, how much instruction, how much strength is brought to your life because he gives you encouragement? That's good. Let's keep reading. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ... If any, here's our second word, comfort. You, you got any comfort from his love? I mean, come on, the fact that God loves you. That means it is a, a perfect love. Perfect love drives out all fear. That means no matter what circumstance I find myself in, the love of God enables me to experience comfort even in struggle what a gift what a gift let's keep reading we got more if any encouragement from being united with Christ if any comfort from his love if any common sharing in the spirit 
common sharing. That, that, what is that word? It's the word we often say, fellowship. That's this word. A, a fellowship, a, a, a partnership, a oneness, a, here's our word this year, with. With. The, the, the gift, God, with you. And that's big. Let's keep going. He's got more. If any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness, this is a word of affection. Sometimes it's translated affection. The, the affection that God right, has toward you. Uh, tenderness and one more, compassion. Sometimes it's the word sympathy. It's translated as sympathy. And you, you look at all of this together He is the God whose very presence in your life signifies grace, giving. He gives you encouragement. He gives you comfort, right? He he gives you this oneness with him, an affection, a sympathy. His arms are always loaded with blessing. When you are walking with the heart of God, you find his arms always full of blessing. All right. Now, when I study these kind of texts, I always got questions. So today I'm just going to ask the questions that I would ask. All right. Why, I understand what this says, but why would Paul include this little section? Because I'm saying in chapter one, his big point was unity, oneness. By verse two, which which we read just a minute ago, he's already back to unity again. It's obvious that the big point is unity. He could have just ended chapter 1 and then said, therefore, right, make my joy complete as you are made one. Why does he use this gigantic if clause with all the gifts? And this is the way I'm going to say it. It's because I believe Paul understands the power of is before ought is before ought. What do you mean by that? Here's what I mean. Paul loves to tell us what is before he then guides us to what we ought to do. He loves to tell us the hope giving reality. Here's what is. When you are when you when you know Jesus, here's what is in your life. He loves to give us that before he calls us to love demanding action. In other words, is is the basis of the command of what we ought to do. It makes the ought actually enjoyable. So instead of just, here's what you ought to do, here's what you ought to do, here's what you ought to do, 
If you start with who Jesus is, suddenly that changes how I see the ought. The, the ought is not some burdensome command for me. No, it flows out of this grand gift-giving God who has done extraordinary blessing in my life. By the way, this is just a side note. This works with your kids. This works with your kids. And I would encourage those of you who have little ones, when you're trying to teach them what they ought to do, you will be amazed at the difference in their heart when you start with the is of who Jesus is, who God is. Suddenly, what you're telling them they ought to do has such fuller meaning. What we ought to do finds joy in the reality of who Jesus is. And I think that's part of why Paul puts this statement in there. He could have left it out, but I think that's why it's there. Here's another question I've got. So these gifts, are these gifts from God, Paul's saying, to us as believers, as Jesus followers, or are these gifts from us to, in this particular case, Paul saying him, right? And, and I'm going to read it again and show you. I think the answer is clear. Let's go back to verse 1 again. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with who? Christ. That means it comes through Christ. It's from him, all right? If any comfort from his love... It comes from him. So part of the answer is going to be yes, it comes from God. The reason that we have these is because he pours them into our life. But Paul adds something very specific when he gets to verse 2. He says, you see all these five things now? Verse 2, make my joy complete. By being like-minded and same love, living these things out. In other words... He's saying, you recognize all this flows from God to you. But there's also a picture here of now this flows from you, Paul says, to me. It flows to him. Now, I'm going to say all throughout Scripture, I think that's, that's confirmed in how this is supposed to work. Let me show you, a couple, let me show you one example. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's just take one of these. Um, comfort. That's one of the words. The comfort that you get from his love. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. That's the picture. He's like, God has poured this comfort into your life, comes from his love, and now you are able to comfort others who find themselves in difficult circumstances because this has been poured out to you. That's the pattern all through Scripture. Given to 
and then given from. You'll remember, I'm sure, some of the things we've read in chapter 1. In the very beginning, those verses, Paul saying, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership with the gospel. Remember that? That word partnership is the same word fellowship. It's this common sharing. What he's saying is, God has given me this oneness with him, but I'm also celebrating that now that oneness is also shared with us. Back in verse 8 of chapter 1, Paul made a statement. He said, God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ. It's the same word that we see in verse 1. He's saying the affection that he has for me. Now we share that affection for you. It's both. It's both. It comes from him, but then it flows from you. One more question. Why did Paul include that little statement then of make my joy complete? Why does, he, why does he say that? Because again, big points, unity. He's been talking unity in chapter one. He, he's already talking in unity. Sometimes I, I think what happens is when we get a new chapter in the Bible, when we get to that new chapter, we have a tendency to like close the book on what happened in the previous chapter and we tend to start over. Paul's not starting over. Those chapter divisions, Paul didn't put, right? Those came, those came later. And, and so he's not, he's not closing the book on everything in chapter 1. He's actually still building on, on what he's been giving us in chapter 1. Why does he make this statement how they who have been blessed with so much from God can actually make his joy complete? And I think this is the answer. Paul models how we show the worth of the gospel. It's joy in gospel unity. Remember remember what he said in chapter 1? Live your lives in a way worthy of the gospel. Well, what Paul's doing here is he's actually modeling for us a picture of what that looks like to live life in such a way that the world goes, wow, I I have never seen something so life-giving. I have never seen, and the point is there is a joy that comes to God's people when we live in a oneness of the good news of Jesus. There's a joy. There's a joy. And when I read this text today, I am reminded this is not some unity in a non-emotional abstract way, like that we all just line up and kind of we all believe right, the, the right thing together. It is even bigger than that. There's joy in it. There's joy. You show the worth of the gospel by your joy in oneness. 
So I got an idea. How about we do something radical? And let's do something with this truth before we move to the next verse. All right? This, is, this ain't scary. It's okay. I'm not going to do that to you. But here's, here's what I want to challenge us with with the next few minutes. I want us to take just three or four minutes, and I'm going to be quiet. And I want to encourage you to choose one of the five. Like maybe it's encouragement, or maybe it's comfort, or maybe it's, hey, I'm with you. And I want to encourage you in the next three to four minutes to communicate that to somebody else. Now, if it's somebody in the room, wherever you may be today, then I want to encourage you to take the next three or four minutes. I, I'm going to have a little music playing for you so it takes the weirdness out of the silence. You know how they get in silence, like spooky, scary to us, right? So we're, we're just going to give you a little music so it's not just dead silence and doesn't feel so weird to you. So you literally could, could go talk to somebody for a couple of minutes if you want to. Or if they're not in the room where you are, get your phone out like you do a hundred times every day and text somebody. And just text them a word maybe of encouragement or somebody going through a struggle and you're going to text them a word of comfort that reminds them of the love of God. Or, or, or maybe you're simply going to say to them, I just want you to hear one more time, you are not alone because I am with and I want to encourage you to do it today. Because today is all you know you have. Yesterday, yesterday I was given a gift. Um, I got to sit down for a few minutes with Daryl Sisk. Daryl's been sick, has some pneumonia, spent a few days in the hospital. And I got to sit down with him yesterday, and, and uh, we just visited, and we laughed. But in those moments, I actually got to say some things to him that I just wanted to say. And it, I wish it worked this way every time. But the last three words I said to him as I walked out the door was, I love you. And I'm really glad I did. Because since last night, he moved to heaven. And today, Daryl's in a new home. No more sorrow, no more pain. But I am beyond words grateful that God allowed me to say to him some things that I really wanted to say to him. I'm about to give you three or four minutes. 
and I don't want you to act like you know more than you do because you don't know what you have beyond this moment. Get your phone out. Text somebody if you need to. If they're in the room, take a minute, walk over. It doesn't have to be weird because I'm giving you permission. The weirdness is me. The weirdness is me. Walk over to somebody and maybe just say something you need to say to them. All right? Let's do that together.
Thank you for doing that. God, stirring up joy. God, stirring up oneness. Let me, let me show you what Paul says that looks like when we do that. Go back to verse 2 again. Make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Now, he uses several words there, but I'm highlighting both times that he uses this word mind. But my question is, like, is he just talking about sameness here? When Paul says something like this, like, like is this about we're supposed to like have a sameness to us? Like we're, we're supposed to like the same team? Because we don't, <laughs> right? We don't. Like we should like the same food? Because we don't. We should like the same music? Oh, my word, would we be in trouble, right? I want you to notice this word mind because what we're dealing with in in this word, this is one of those occasions where we've got a, a word written in its original language, which was Greek, where there is just not a word in the English language that encompasses what this word is. Sometimes that happens between languages. You got a word in one, and you do not have one word in another language that sums up that same meaning. And, and, and when Paul uses this word mind, that, that's what's happening here, all right? And so when he says like-minded, he's talking about a, a same mind, a same mind. When he uses one mind, that's exactly what he's mean. one mind. And, and I'll give you a clue. We're, we're about to land a few verses down the road where Paul's going to use this same word and he's going to say, I want you to have this mind. So same mind, one mind, this mind. And when he says this mind, he's going to have to attach a story to it to help us understand what he means and It's a story that just so happens is connected to the story that we're celebrating this week. This word mind is actually a verb. That's where it's weird for us. It's a verb in the Greek language. And it it doesn't just mean mindset. I'm going to use these two words to try to describe what what this means. We're going to use the term attitude set and we're like we don't talk that way like that's not even something and I know that's my point we don't really have words that go together but I'm going to use this description an attitude set a, a framework of, of, of attitude set in how we think and an attitude set in how we feel and I'm telling you this is not about same opinions This is not about liking the same team or the same food or the same music. Go back to verse 2. And the answer is sandwiched in between like-minded and one mind when Paul says it is the same what? 
love. It's the same love. I'm talking about an attitude set where we love the same. An attitude set where where we can disagree on lots of things, but but love, this is what we are united in. And then Paul elaborates on what that looks like. Go to verse 3. Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves. He's got a negative and a positive. The negative is do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. And when we hear those words, selfish ambition, we remember we've heard those in chapter 1. Because this was the term that, that Paul used when he was talking about those preachers, who, they, the, the ones who were preaching the gospel, but they were doing it from a selfish motive because they were trying to seize the power that they saw Paul had. But when Paul goes to prison, they want to get the glory. And so they're not preaching the good news of Jesus from a good motive. They're preaching it from selfish ambition, an empty conceit or vain, grasping for a glory that is not theirs, and so it is empty. And Paul's saying, I don't want you to do life this way. This is not what love looks like. Here's what it looks like, and then he gives us the positive to value others above yourselves. And maybe you're like me, I first learned this in the King James version of scripture where it used the word better, that you saw others better, you view others better in a sense than yourselves. And I remember, I do remember wrestling with that. It's like, what does that mean? What does that mean? Because like some things, you're not better. In the sense of, okay, let's just say that you know math better than, you know, your best friend knows math. Well, your best friend, you shouldn't see them as better than you in math, right? That's, that's not what he's talking about. He's not talking about skill. If you're a good athlete, right, and, and, and your spouse can't walk and chew gum at the same time, you don't see your spouse as a better athlete than you. It's not, it's not talking about skill. And I don't even think he's talking about morality. This is not saying, hey, I should see, uh, you know, everyone in the prison right now, like, like the dude that killed somebody and he's in prison, that they are, he's better than me. He's not talking skill and he's not talking morality. I think what Paul's saying here is I want you to see others as worthy to be served. I want you to see others as worthy to be served. And you're like, well, how do you do that, really? I mean, 
I mean, the guy sitting in the prison has done whatever. Why, why would I view him worthy to be served? And back in verse 3, sandwiched between the negative and the positive is the answer. Humility. Humility. And all of a sudden, Paul is introducing a new word to us that we're going to build on for a while. Don't do this. See others as worthy to be served. How, how does that come about? Humility. So what is this whole attitude set that Paul is talking about? It's the key to, to unity. It's the key to joy. It, it's the key to living a life worthy of the gospel. Well, this is the way I'm going to try to say it for you today. It is a humble character to serve others even at a cost to ourselves. That's what he's talking about. It is the key to oneness. It is the key to joy. It, it, it is the key to, to this big picture of what it is to live a life worthy of the gospel. It is a humble character, an attitude set that serves others even at a cost to ourselves. This is what we are to be unified in. Who cares if we like the same team? Who cares if we're on the same page with food or music or anything else? This is what unifies us. Why would we be humble? The gospel. The good news of Jesus who died for my sin was buried and on the third day arose. Not because I earned it, not because I deserved it, but that by his grace, he gave his life for me. Therefore, there is a humility that the gospel breaks me free from a mindset of merit, a mindset of here's what I deserve, a mindset of entitlement. No, it, it, is, it is humility. God has done what I could not do nor deserve for him to do. I am freed from my conceit, therefore, and I am empowered to serve. It's the gospel that brings humility. And then that humility that gets lived out in this same love a humble character to serve others even at a cost to ourselves. Paul's going to go on and he's going to say, therefore, you don't look to your own interest, but also to the interest of others, right? We become a people for others. That's who we become. That's what we're united in. Not a people for ourselves. We become a people for others. We find our interest in the interest of others. We find our joy in the joy of others. And so... As the intro to the intro, I want to officially welcome you to our new teaching series called Humble Brag. Humble Brag. What's a humble brag? It's when you don't want to draw attention 
to how much you want attention. If you don't know what this is, I believe we're going to have some fun with it. But I also believe that in the weeks to come, God, God is about to stir something extraordinary, something extremely powerful in our lives that we could look different. We could look different. Welcome to Humble Brag. I'm going to pray for us. We're going to wrap up this time together with a song that lets us just be encouraged with the truth that we've begun to hear today. And then I look forward to seeing you next week with somebody that you're bringing with you. Let's pray. Let's pray. God, I'm excited about digging into this next series. God, excited about a most extraordinary chapter. God, that, that we recognize that this truly has the potential to change who, who we are, how we operate, how we love God, how we demonstrate to the world this joy of being one. God, I want to thank you today for your word where you, you decided to give us an if clause that is just your arms full of gifts to us. God, thank you for the chance for a few moments to encourage somebody else today maybe, to comfort somebody else. And I'm praying that even as we leave today, God, that you would continue to stir that in our hearts. And there may be some more texts that we need to send today. Maybe there are some more conversations that need to be today. But God, all that is because you are constantly doing that for us, constantly encouraging, constantly comforting. God, all those gifts you continue to pour out into our lives. We are grateful today. And we're grateful for the good news of Jesus that has shaped this humility in us that God, we, we deserve none of that you have poured it out. So God, today, will you give us a willingness to begin a shaping of a humble character, God, that we will joy in serving others even when it costs, just like you did for us. It's in the name of Jesus that I thank you today.